Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. You can get all the latest news, photos, videos, podcasts, exclusive interviews, all that and more at FightfulMMA.com. Of course, we also have FightfulBoxing.com. And this show is brought to you ad-read-free by our new YouTube channel. Uh, We do not have a custom URL for it. We will in about three weeks, I believe. But we have a UFC, MMA, and boxing YouTube channel. The link is in the description below. It's in the comments section as well. Click that. That's where these MMA podcasts, the uh, fight review videos, the exclusive interviews, a lot of the live news posts we're going to be doing are. If you all want to catch these here in about a month or so, that's where they'll be. We will still share them to the main page, but that will be primarily a pro wrestling channel. This will be. So make sure you all click the link in the description below. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Support us there with MMA and boxing really taking center stage in the fourth quarter of this year with a lot of big fights and a lot of big happenings and the new ESPN deal starting next year. We wanted to have a channel that uh, gave you all exclusively combat sports. And I thought that what made us unique and that we cover wrestling, MMA, and boxing sort of held us back a little bit too. Because on YouTube especially, all you got to do is hit the subscribe button and you get to decide if you get that content or not. Uh, We already have a lot of cool stuff up there from our history of Fightful. A lot of our bigger interviews, a lot of pros picks. I'm going live on that channel very, very often. So make sure you all subscribe to that. I will hammer that home a few uh, times tonight. This show, man, you, you can tell at least as far as star power, UFC did not care. They are ready to start that ESPN deal. You got Yaya Rodriguez and Korean Zombie headlining a show soon. And I know it's supposed to be Frankie Edgar, but even Frankie Edgar at this point, what you know, not exactly the upper echelon. You have Neil Maggie and Santiago Ponzinibbio. You do have Kevin Lee, who they do think a lot of and is a big name in my estimation. But other than that, man, you had four ranked fighters on this show. You had two in the top ten. It was a sad state of affairs on this show, at least in that regard. Let's go ahead and get into it. Leave us a thumbs up. Let people know. Send the link out. 
it would be greatly appreciated. Stephen Ray just defeated Jessen Iari. I did not agree with this decision. Uh, this was Iari's first fight at lightweight, and you could see a clear size advantage for him. Stevie Ray had lost two of his two straight fights going into this after starting his career five and one, so he really needed to get back on the right track. Iari was susceptible to combos, so I'm really surprised that Stevie Ray didn't go there very often. Instead, he went to low kicks and didn't really set them up. And subsequently, he would get countered a lot because of that. Iari found his uppercut and pressed forward often. I had this 29-28 Iari. I thought 30-27 for Ray was flat-out odd. He barely staved off a pink slip, and he knew it too. Uh, 12 of 13 media members had this fight for Iari. Every morning after these uh, UFC events, I post uh, my podcast notes and recommendations, but I'll give them to you here. I recommend whether you should pass or or watch this fight. If you didn't watch it, pass on it. Terrible decision, not a great fight. Aryan Buller defeated Marcelo Gom. Uh, Buller, if you all are pro wrestling fans, or maybe even if you're not, you may know as the guy that Jinder Mahal was supposed to walk out to the cage last year as WWE champion before a hurricane hit his house. Buller spoke to Fightful.com's James Lynch and said that a talk with Mahal actually discouraged him from trying out for WWE and told him that they don't talk much now. Instead, he was hoping to train with Bobby Lashley soon. The leg kick giveth and taketh away. Buller gets cracked with a lot of them, but checked one, and Golm's foot, something happened to his foot. Uh, it had to have cracked it, fractured it, something. Buller has that great wrestling and scooped up Golm and just flopped him down on the canvas. Coast to a two to one, uh, two rounds to one victory here. Buller's wrestling and sometimes his combos up against the cage are promising, but I think he gets beat by pretty much anyone in the top 15. As far as a recommendation, I don't think you need to watch this unless you're one of those people who know that every heavyweight fight's ma- fight matters because almost any heavyweight can win on any given night in the UFC. So, I mean, if, if you're talking about that, if, if you're that kind of guy, then sure. Sure, why not? Don Madge defeated uh, Tay Edwards with the old left-right roundhouse special in round two. Edwards was staving off defeat several, just repeatedly throughout this fight. Madge cracked him and dropped him early. Uh, The crowd really needed this fight after the first two snoozers. Madge applies an arm bar, and the ref almost cost Edwards the fight by blocking him as he rolled out. His arm was hyperextended, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're out of it, as we've seen several times this year alone. You roll over, you, you flip over, and then you spin out. And you actually end up in a very good position if you can get out of that arm bar. A lot of times you can have somebody turtled up or face down. But to start round two, Madge landed a couple of sick head kicks. What happened is he walked Edwards back to the cage, threw a big left high kick, waited for Edwards to circle out to his right up against the cage. He didn't have any room to move backwards, so the only place that Edwards had was to move right. And Madge knew this and threw that big right kick and just crumpled Edwards. As James Lynch pointed out, Madge winning in round two uh, as a prop bet was plus 1,700. Remarkable. Uh, Madge is a nice prospect. He does have some injury history and has some trouble staying in the cage, but tonight was a very promising win, especially where he can, he can recognize, sort of like reading the field, reading plays if you're, if, if you're a football fan. 
That was Don Madge tonight. And it was a very promising performance. I definitely recommend this fight. It was a blast. Edwards was the favorite and got cracked repeatedly and almost submitted. His heart to overcome some of those issues were a little bit surprising. So it could have been a lot worse for Edwards in defeat. But, I mean, you never want – there's not a lot of positives you can take away if you're, if you're Edwards losing this way. But he was able to stave it off after he got dropped and after he almost got submitted. Talita Bernardo, decision Sarah Morris. Man, Sarah Morris, she has a problem staying consistent. Consistency is always the issue with her. And she's she's now 30 years old, and we, we still don't know how women in the UFC, like depending on cage miles, and you know, she's been fighting for eight years, and who knows how old 30 really is in a division like this, but She's lost two in a row. She's lost three out of four. She she had that win over Ashley Evan Smith that was really good, but her last two wins haven't been – that doesn't look good. doesn't look great. Now, if you're Sarah Morass, the, the positive you take away from this is your striking, at the very least. And Bernardo took notice of that early on and worked underhooks into an outside trip, controlled her for round one and two, kept her hips really low to the ground, really worked that. And what I liked about Sarah Morass was how much she wanted it in the third round. She knew she had to go for the gold to win that fight, and she tried. She dragged down Sarah Morass through some nasty elbows, cracked Bernardo several times on the feet trying to finish her off. She did not win the fight. She didn't win the fight, but she tried. She tried in that third round. As far as my recommendations, I would uh, recommend you watch the third round because you pretty much get the story of the entire fight. You get Bernardo controlling a little bit on the ground, but you have Morris also working her way back, trying to trying to earn this win, and you get to pass up those first two rounds that maybe weren't so exciting. Uh, Bernardo saved her UFC career. She had lost her first two UFC fights. So this was a big win for her. She had to have this win. Calvin Guitar won over Chris Fishgold. Chris Fishgold, despite being 17-1, was a huge underdog here. And he came out like one. Came out really aggressive, swinging hard. Guitar stays composed. And by three minutes in, Fishgold was gassed. This pays off. Qatar lands a nasty combo on Fishgold. Finishes up on the ground and wins. Qatar moves on to uh, 3-1 and one in the UFC, 19-3 and three, uh, for his career. The first fight that Qatar has had since 2010 that didn't go to the third round. Uh, I would recommend this fight. An underdog fighting like he had to, and the favorite comes back and does exactly what he's supposed to. Fishgold took this fight on short notice, so... Uh, not a lot of harm done to him here, despite his impressive record. Calvin Qatar was expected to win this, as was Nazrat Hakparast, who beat uh, Tibalde Goti. Sorry, rather. Hakparast was just way too fast for him. I can't believe this fight lasted three rounds. Hakparast should have finished this. He lulled Goti in over and over again, made him fear the right, then lands the left heavily, went to the body over and over again. 
Pi Perez just dominated this bout just over and over again with combos. Nine minutes in, Goatee was dropping his hands to avoid the barrages that Hot Perez was unleashing to the body, and I couldn't believe that Goatee survived this. He was dominated in almost every facet of this fight, and he's sure to get cut. He's lost five of his last six, was deemed medically unfit in, in another fight, lost on Tough 22. Uh, Ole Sammy Ole says, not enough 10-8 rounds in that fight. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree, my friend. I, I sure am. That fight, mm, you had a 30-26, a 29-27, and a 29-27. I don't know, man. I had it 30-26. I know a couple media guys had it 30-26 as well, but or 29-28 as well, but I was not among those. <laughs> and some people had it 29-27 even. Man, I thought Hack Perez looked very good in this. If you're interested in watching prospects, this fight is worth a watch. Sean Strickland thumped Nordine Taleb. Not a great fight in the first round. In the second, Strickland is able to put together a lot of strikes at range and drop Taleb. Strickland did a really good job switching stances in the middle of throwing a flurry. And by that, I mean he would start off right-handed, essentially, throw a power shot, Switch stances and hit a right jab. That is so underrated. That was a really smooth move on his on his behalf. That's not something you see a lot of. That shuffle stance, working to to find the openings when they're convenient, landing landing short shots instead of just going repeatedly over with hooks. I mean, the guy's twenty and three, so he he knows some tricks of the trade. And the thing is, you look at his three losses, and oftentimes I'll point at guys like this and I'll say. Those types of losses are forgivable. They'll happen. Look at his losses. Elasia Zaleski Dos Santos, top 15 guy. Yeah. Kamara Usman, title picture. Yeah. Santiago Ponzinibbio, when he was a favorite at that. But, I mean, Sean Strickland, a little under the radar, has been doing it for a long time. He won five of his first six UFC fights, beat Luke Barnott and Bubba McDaniel, who people actually thought were something back in the day. And uh, he, he's still doing good. He's 7-3 and three in the UFC. Uh, Taleb has lost two in a row. You should watch the second round of this fight. Well worth it. <clears throat> Court McGee essentially pinned Alex Garcia on his way to a unanimous decision. UFC, just, man, throwing a fight like this on a main card – Eh. McGee pushed the pressure and was taken down, or yeah, got taken down, but got right back up. They worked very hard for the takedown, both of them. Garcia seemed to be emptying the gas tank and throwing big power shots. He tried to swarm McGee early in the second, too. Got dropped by a jab, and that was not a good sign for his cardio. If you throw the type of strikes that, that Alex Garcia was with the type of power that he was, and he wasn't able to put away McGee and wasn't able to retain his gas tank, and you're in there with a veteran like McGee, I don't care how rough he's had it. Had lost two in a row, had lost three of his last four. Just wasn't consistent. Since his initial UFC run where he had all those tough fights and beat Ryan Jensen and Dong Yang, and then he ran into Costa Philippou. He's never been the same. Now, keep in mind, he does have a win over Robert Whitaker. And at any weight division, if you have a win over Robert Whitaker, you're something to watch out for. 
and he's a crafty veteran man. He said he didn't watch any tape on uh, Alex Garcia, just uh, turned it over to his team, uh, to his team essentially. But man, he spent the rest of the fight on top of Garcia essentially and, and won a decision. I mean, I couldn't convey how inconsequential this card was. This fight meant nothing. I'm sure it meant something to Court McGee. He saved his UFC career. Alex Garcia has lost three of his last four. Uh, who knows what that'll mean for him, depending on if the UFC is going to trim roster space or not. Who knows? Don't watch this. Maybe YouTube highlights if they put them up. John Vellante, split decisions, Ed Herman. So this this show was a big one for the light heavyweight division. An ever-changing light heavyweight division. You got Ian Kutilaba out there who is going to be something in the division soon, I think. Uh, he is one, three of four and somebody to look out for, and he is on the fringe of that top 15. But Vellante is on the fringe of that top 15 as well and has been in and out of it. And before Jared Cannonier dropped, then you had him around there too. But you had several fights here that were important to this division. Ed Herman ain't getting anywhere near the top 15. But John Vellante has. And he, uh, you know, you're seeing the Dom Reyes of the world. He's he's ranked number six now. You see Anthony Smith doing what he's doing. You see Serkinov back in the fold. Krylov just snuck in with a loss. Little Nogs back in action. How will that work out? Is he going to get ranked again? John Jones is about to get ranked. So you're seeing a major shift here. That shift that I talked about for so long that was going to happen at middleweight because of suspensions and people leaving and USADA and retirements and people moving up in weight, this and that. You're going to see a lot of that with light heavyweight too because the moment Daniel Cormier has his title stripped essentially – Another person moves into the championship fold, and it's just gonna it's gonna look wild if you take a picture of the UFC light heavyweight division right now, tonight, compared to where it will be by the time Cormier retires. It's nuts. Ed Herman has uh, quite the chin on him to be able to take a lot of these Volante punches. They go back and forth with some tough tough hooks that Volante gets the better of. It looked like this fight could have ended at any moment, but it went all the way. Uh, both throw and get countered with regularity. They both ended up with cuts underneath the eye, including one that Herman had to have checked and didn't seem too happy about. He looked like the goddamn Kool-Aid man during this fight. Uh, technique and footwork gave way to exhaustion in this fight, and I felt the commentary and Dan Hardy put this fight over way more than it deserved. Heart and grit, sure, but not a good technical fight. Ed Herman was not happy about getting uh, getting the decision loss and cursed on Fox Sports 1. But, you know, man, I, I honestly didn't have that much of a problem with the, the decision. I had it for Volante. This is one of those fights that I think you should probably watch whatever, uh, whatever Fox breakdown they do, which throughout the show, until the Johnson fight, UFC and Fox had not posted anything, man. Nothing. Nothing. However, as I look at the media, so I mean, this shows you what level of care they had for it. As I look at the media scores, seven for Volante, six for Herman, two for a draw. So yeah, a close fight. I was, I'm throwing my name into the the media when I didn't submit it to MMA decisions, but I would have been the tiebreaker essentially there. 
Fans have it 46 for Herman, 40 for Volante, and 13% for a draw. So, yeah, perhaps reasonably, because if, if, you know, if you have a fight and it ends up and it's that close, you're going to think that you won. Andre Sukumtot defeated Jonathan Martinez via unanimous decision. Martinez gets dropped early, gets up and applies pressure. He recovers pretty well, but he's really overmatched in this fight. I'm very surprised that Sukumtot didn't finish Martinez with those measured shots against the cages. Cage when Martinez did nothing but cover up. But even after that, Jaron Vallel stepped in and had this horrible call. A horrible call. Sukumtoth is teeing off on Martinez. Martinez is covering up. Sukumtoth lands a completely legal knee, and Vallel steps in, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I know that was a smooth, clean shot, but you got to watch out. No, he doesn't. You don't have to do anything. You can pretend you're about to kick somebody in the balls. As long as you don't kick them in the balls, it's okay. You can literally aim right for the balls. If they move and it makes you not hit them in the balls, then it's not a foul. The only foul is the act of actively hitting someone in the testicles. That guy, I hope he does not vanity search himself tonight. I see his name constantly tied to terrible decisions, but fortunately we don't see him a lot in the UFC. And this turned, this shifted the tide of the fight. Got Sukumtoth taken down. Fortunately, Sukumtoth is able to take his opponent down in the third and ride it out. This fight was okay. The ref pause is worth seeing just just to see what not to do ever. We're going to have Showdown Joe talk about this at length on Tuesday's Fightful MMA podcast. Tune in Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It will still be on this channel for a while, but FightfulMMA.com is the best. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Best way to go ahead and get it. Uh, MMA insider James Lynch, Showdown Joe, who was once nominated for the Fighters Only World MMA Awards for Journalist of the Year, as well as a certified uh, ref and judge. Check us out. Number 11, Misha Serkinov, tap, tap, tap a ruse. Number 14, Patrick Cummins on his way to an arm triangle win. The scouting report on Patrick Cummins is punch him in the face and capitalize. And by this point, Patrick Cummins knows that too. And the thing is, when he gets cracked, he immediately moves in and tries to wrestle, and that's smart. That's what he should do. He's 37. He's going to be 38 this year. He's lost two in a row now. 
He worked for a takedown. Serkinov ended up on top and won with an arm triangle. So here's the deal. They brought Cummins in as a four-fight pro to fight Daniel Cormier, and he lost. Just lost out. But Patrick Cummins came back, won his next fight via TKO, beat Kyle Kingsbury next, who used to be pretty good, and beat Shoeface next. That's awesome. So you, when you bring in Patrick Cummins based on that, all right, you're going to show not a bad hire. He lost to OSP. That's going to happen. Beat Fajal Cavalcante, who sucked in the UFC, but finished him, former Strike Force champion. Cummins loses to Teixeira, loses to Noguera, comes back and beats Blahovich and Volante. So it's very clear Patrick Cummins can compete in the top 15, has since lost to Corey Anderson and Misha Serkinov. He is the gatekeeper, essentially. But even, even though he's the gatekeeper, you got Shoeface, who is awesome at 185. You got Volante, who's a fringe, and Blahovich, who's doing well. So you just never know. He's more like a Michael Johnson, but a way, way, way less exciting Michael Johnson. Because <laughs> Michael Johnson used to beat people like that all the time, too. Cheers. My giant jug of water. Serkinov now stops a two-fight losing streak, which he needed to fight. little fun fact. Uh, in 2015, Serkinov beat my, one of my first trainers, Sean Asher, essentially as a fight to get into the UFC. Uh, my coach took it on late notice or short notice and had fought in Bellator prior and took the fight in Canada where Serkinov, uh, his home, home country is. That's why they put him on this show. Serkinov stepped in and won four straight fights, including wins over Kutilaba and Krylov. Now, Kutilaba was 21-22, but had lost to Ozdemir and Teixeira. So uh, this is a fight he needed if he wanted to be in that top 10. And I think he might be able to move up into the top 10. It's real tough to say. It's real tough to say because you never know with OSP. Because OSP's won, like, I think... Four of his last six, but he's lost two of his last three. Share is win one, lose one, win one, lose one. This is a good fight. Watch this. Fights that matter on this show are few and far between. Only two with ranked fighters, and this was a quick and painless fight. So Serkinov gets the win. I usually expect anybody with any semblance of a decent striking game to emerge victorious over Patrick Cummins. And at this point, you got to ask, what do you do with Cummins next? I wouldn't mind him fighting uh, Krylov for a couple of reasons. Krylov can at least punch you, but I'm not convinced that Patrick Cummins doesn't take down Krylov and tap him out with a Von Flu choke. Not convinced at all. Demon Diva in the chat says, fun fight night. Yeah, I, I wish there were more fights that mattered. But other than that, the fights were decent. They were inconsistent. That's the thing. Like, you'd have a really good fight, then a fight that didn't matter and wasn't good, but I could have went to Halloween parties tonight, but I'm here with you guys. I'd rather be nowhere else. Michael Johnson defeated the ghost of Sugar Ray Leonard, Artem Lobov, or at least that's what commentary would have you believe. Michael Johnson has wins over Glayson Tebow, Edson Barboza, Joe Lozon, Dustin Poirier, and Tony Ferguson, and has fought... Justin Gaethje, Habib Nurmagomedov, Darren Elkins, Benil Dariush, and Nate Diaz. 
So the announcer saying that he hasn't fought in anybody like Lobov is really weird, unless they mean a shitty fighter with short arms, no wrestling game, no combos, no head movement. If that's the case, then yeah, Michael Johnson absolutely hasn't fought anybody like that. Also, I have a, like, we have certain topics that I tell my writers never to cover. One of those topics is don't ever write an article for our site that is titled, This Fighter Says He's Never Fought Anybody Like Me. Might as well throw your promo, your interview out the window. Artem Lobov throws wide and wild, has zero head movement. The short arms, as I mentioned, the best offensive tool he has is an outside body kick and an uppercut that lands occasionally. He gets wobbled by a left to the jaw. As much as Lobov sees one of the best left hands in the history of MMA because his main training partner is Conor McGregor, he sure does get cracked by Michael Johnson's an awful lot. One of the, the funny comments of this fight was in the in the pre-fight video. They said, Michael Johnson did this and this at, at lightweight, but there was always the question, how would he do at featherweight? And I, I was like, no, I never thought that. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I was surprised he could even make it. And he didn't for this fight, but he took it on short notice. And hats off to Artem Lobov for saying that he's not going to take the 20% pay that Michael Johnson was docked because he's supposed to. But Michael Johnson took this fight because Tukagov was involved in the UFC 229 brawl and took this fight on short notice to to help this card out and to get a payday and to fight Artem Lobov. And uh, a lot of respect to Artem Lobov for for doing that. We did a live news update on that story on the new MMA channel and uh, new YouTube channel. So make sure you guys subscribe to that. Link in the description below. Story of the fight, man. Johnson's a way better striker. Takes Lobov down at the end of the third. Johnson says he wants to fight at the end of the year, specifically in Australia. So if he wants to fight in December, he is the type of guy. He's won two in a row as well. He had lost to Habib, Gaethje, and Elkins back-to-back-to-back. He's lost to Nate Diaz, Benil Dariush, all of his losses since like 2014 are to really high-level guys. Neil Dariush, eh. But Andre Feely, that is, that's a good win. Artem Lobov, whatever. I would have said Yair Rodriguez. I would have said go ahead and have him fight him, but I don't know if I like that. Maybe Zabit, but I feel like he would just get wrestled by Zabit. But, I mean, that's that's the case with anybody. Uh Darren Elkins is already fighting Lamas, so probably not him. Volkanovsky seems like a good move. For Volkanovsky, who just beat Elkins, that would be a, a big name for him. Like I could see I could see that happening. So I could see that fight happening. Artem Lobov, he'll get a fight against somebody, probably some can on uh some Singapore card. Demon Diva, friend of the site, says, I'll be at Evolution attending. Anyone come to our tailgate party. $5 gets you food and drinks. All proceeds donated to cancer research. Do that. Follow her at WWE Demon Diva on Twitter. Get those details. Uh, she is a great friend of the site. So uh, if you haven't, checked that out. She will also, if you're heading to WrestleMania in uh, ne- next year, I understand she's going to be giving a lot of travel tips because somebody like me, I don't travel in big cities a lot. When I hit Toronto, I Uber everywhere. 
I don't use the subway. I don't know how. I don't do that stuff. So uh, check out WDB Demon Diva on Twitter. Number 10, Anthony Smith taking on number two, Volkan Ozdemir. Reminder, subscribe to our new MMA and boxing YouTube for Fightful.com. The regular channel will become a pro wrestling only channel. The uh, new channel with the link in the description below gets you podcasts, exclusive interviews, uh, excerpts. Carlos Toro, our star lead boxing writer, going live with boxing podcasts and news. I've given him the green light to go whenever he wants. I'll be going live a lot more with live news updates, as I'm sure you guys have noticed lately. Uh, Just all kinds of stuff over there. Pros picks, so subscribe. Help us get there. I'd really like to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. But I wanted to do, do wanted to do that because MMA and boxing are just getting so much more prominent. Again, I wanted to give it uh, the highlight it deserved and give James Lynch and Carlos Toro the highlight they deserve, as well as Showdown Joe, internationally known. Anthony Smith defeats Volkan Ozdemir. I thought the winner of this fight very well could end up getting a title shot, even though Volkan just had one. Early in the fight, Smith pushed forward into the clinch, but the tides get turned, and he did not like that power of Ozdemir early on, who landed several shots, but Smith covered up. It seemed like a matter of time before Ozdemir cracked Smith and dropped him. But after the eating the worst of several exchanges, Smith finally started to counter off the fence, and an eye poke slowed Ozdemir down a little bit, but popped right back in, hit a, le- a head kick. He was throwing a lot of leg kicks, a lot more than I expected. And that's a facet of his game I'm glad he's working on, especially if he can ever lead, start going to that light inside leg kick to an over overhand. The thing is, the way that Dan Henderson used to throw that, he used to set up a lot of his H-bombs that way. And now with the calf kick becoming so prevalent, even an inside calf kick, that becomes an even more dangerous thing, especially for a guy like Ozdemir, who had a lot of power for heavyweight, much less light heavyweight. So Smith wisely opens up round three by rushing Ozdemir with one-two combos. Just kind of Vitor rushes him up against the cage. He's dragged down and held down in turtle position uh, the entire round. But, This was, I don't know if it was a game plan from Anthony Smith. And I don't want to, sorry for the pause, but I didn't want to speculate (laughs) that this was the game plan. But Ostemir got tired, man. Real tired. And Anthony Smith just abused that, man. Abused it. He's not been to round three, ever. And the guy who had 40 fights and had been to round three, Anthony Smith, Fought like he had been there before. And Ozdemir fought like he hadn't been there before. And fought like he planned on never going back again. Smith took a lot more of Ozdemir's shots than most people did and just got better as the fight went on. Uh, Dragged down Ozdemir and got that body triangle on. Now, the importance of getting a body triangle on in round three on a guy who's never been to round three, that's integral, man. You're, You're restricting his breathing while making him fight off a rear naked choke. Uh, Ozdemir did fight it off. I thought it was locked in. Then Ozdemir bent the arm out, got uh, basically unhinged it, but then Smith locked it right back in and won. 
You have Anthony Smith defeating Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, Volkan Ozdemir in under five months. I understand on paper that sounds way more impressive than it actually is. Shogun Hua isn't what he used to be, but had a fight streak, win streak ended because of Smith. Rashad Evans was retired because of this, and Volkan is coming off of a loss, and this is a second straight. But Volkan's very dangerous. And I don't care what you say, man. Under five months defeating those three guys. That puts you in line for a title shot, in my opinion. Or at the very least, that puts you in a fight with Dom Reyes to determine who gets a title shot. Because either Latifi ain't getting that. Jimmy Manoa, you don't want that. Jimmy Manoa's lost two in a row. He's fighting Tiago Santos next. That's a good fight. I like that fight. Eler Latifi's fighting Corey Anderson next. I like that fight. Good ones. You got Blahovich, and I don't know what he'll do. I don't think they'll leave him on standby for the, the Jones-Gustafson fight. Because, man, could you imagine a Blahovic versus Gustafson rematch headlining a UFC pay-per-view? Ugh! All due respect to both men. But he, he's got to get factored in there somehow. But I, I don't know. You probably have Blahovic fight somebody else. Galvez says Smith versus Santos rematch. Uh, they're, they're having Santos fight Jimmy Manoa to kind of prove his worth in the division. You can go Blahovic and Nogueira perhaps, but Ozdemir wants to fight soon. So quite frankly... I think if you go Ozdemir Blahovich, that makes a lot of sense. Dom Reyes, Anthony Smith for a title shot works if Anthony Smith doesn't get a title shot. Because, I mean, Dom Reyes is working off of a four-fight win streak, beat Cannoneer and OSP. Not big names, but if he beats Anthony Smith, worthy of it. Highly recommend this fight. It is a, is a high-level fight with stakes and it displays people's strengths and weaknesses. Ozdemir and Smith both have a ton to learn from this fight. If you're fighting, that's what you want to learn, man. That's what you want. You want things you can build off of, but you can see where your strengths are as well. Of course, next weekend we will have UFC 230 coverage. I'm excited for that fight. I have a feature this week about Derek Lewis's debut fight where he beat up a WWE tag team champion and his pants fell down. Hot dog. We have an interview up on the new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube with Jared Cannonier, who is stepping in to fight David Branch. We have one with Chris Weidman. We have Carl Roberson. We have Israel Adesanya. How about Jason Knight? All over the place. Lando Venata. Lando Venata on that fight pass prelim. You have Kelleher on that fight press press prelim. I really didn't think after beating Barrow we would see Kelleher on the fight pass prelims, but but there you go. Fox Sports One show has Sajara Eubanks and Roxanne Modafferi. That's a decent fight, as has Ben Saunders versus Lyman Good from an in-cage perspective. Jason Knight versus Jordan Rinaldi. The pay-per-view, Brunson and Adesanya, good fight. Branch versus Cannoneer, okay for a... A short notice fight, Roberson and Marshman. But the two big ones, Weidman versus Jacare, that's a hell of a fight. Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis, hell of a fight. 
reminder, we have an update on the Frankie Edgar Korean zombie Ayer Rodriguez situation as that fight uh, in Denver coming up. Uh, that's actually a pretty good card. I know I said UFC doesn't give a shit about Fox right now, but that show is very good. We broke the news of Hannah Cipher stepping in to face Macy Barber, and we have interviews with both of those fighters on the new YouTube channel as well as FightfulMMA.com. Jordan Lane says, I would think Burrell will be in Japan soon. Yeah, I would think so too. What do you all think about that trade while we're here? Ben Askren for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. It is a done deal. Ben Askren going to step over into the UFC and take on a lot of people. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is going to crush jobbers. And I'm here for it. You're going to have a lot of people that say, oh, Demetrius Johnson, he, uh, he didn't fight the best. That's complete horse shit. If Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson weren't around, he there would be three or four different UFC flyweight champions. Kind of like before John Jones, there were three or four, and then John Jones came and slayed them all. Mighty Mouse would have came and slayed them all. Well, who do I think that uh, Warren should fight? I think that Warren should fight, or uh, Askren should fight Warren. Uh, I think Askren should fight GSP first. GSP for sure. If he gets by GSP, give him a title fight. Can't give it to him against Ask or Woodley, though. They're boys. DJ will fight jobbers, and with knees to the head, I can't wait. I liked watching Braun Strowman kill jobbers in WWE. I would love to watch Demetrius Johnson kill some jobbers in one. And, you know, I said on the podcast recently, Eddie Edwards is going there, to, or Eddie, man, I cover too much wrestling. Eddie Alvarez is heading there towards the end of his career. Mighty Mouse is still relatively in his prime. I don't have to pretend to care when Eddie Alvarez beats up a jobber, but I will care when Mighty Mouse beats up a jobber. What more could he do in the UFC? The Cejudo fight is there. They need to fight again at some point. But with Sergio Pettis moving up, Dodson's already up. Lineker left the division. Cejudo wants to fight Dillashaw. What do you got at flyweight? Gussier Formiga and Benavidez are not carrying that division. I'm not one, I don't want to can the division, but I don't understand why that division should exist without Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest fights in the history of time. Where do I think that Anthony Smith will be ranked? I think he'll be ranked probably number two, honestly. I think he'll go ahead and rank him number two or three. He should be. The rankings, in my opinion, should be uh, Cormier, Gustafson. Well, Jones Jones is going to be inserted in the next ranking, so apologies. Cormier is champion, then Jones, Gustafson, Blahovich, Smith, Reyes. So I think they should go. I don't think Manuel Latifi should be should be up there per se. Although Latifi has won five of his last six, his only loss is to Ryan Bader. His losses in the UFC, Gegard Musashi, Jan Blahovic, Ryan Bader, that's pretty impressive. But he also doesn't have any high-level wins. Latifi's only uh, biggest, his biggest wins are Tyson Pedro, OSP, Volante. Subscribe to that new YouTube channel, you guys. Man, my hair is a wreck. I don't look at myself during these shows. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. But again, it would mean a lot to me if you subscribed to the new channel. Link in the description below. 
Uh, subscribers matter. It, it affects our monetization. We have to get to 1,000 before we get there. So thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out.